welcome to the McYap and Fries movie podcast. I am Gavin. I mean. <laughs> and how are you guys doing? <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's just uh, very funny just to watch you sit sit there watching very intently the sound, like how much music has gone by before we have to start in. Before I can have my for all, for, for those of you who can't see us, we're actually dying to jump in and say something, but we're scared we'll look foolish if we do. Not that you'll know what we look now like. Now you've just ruined the illusion that I don't edit this together at the end and that there's actually way more good stuff I'm editing out. I don't think you need to be a genius <laughs> to realize that we don't edit this. <laughs> if there's anyone out there who spots any editing, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> anyway, this is a movie podcast. Um, we generally will be reviewing some movies. This week we're reviewing 127 Hours in Green Hornet. Yes, we are. And uh, we'll also bring you all the movie news in the known universe. <laughs> well, but, well, I mean, we try to in the known universe. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some stuff there that we don't cover because we don't... Luckily, it's a quiet week. Because it's shit, mm. you know. But anyway, uh, on to news. There's been uh, some inch- some great casting stuff, actually. Wait, wait. What? Kato, what's wrong? You want to say something cool? <laughs> That's going to get very old. Very, very yeah, old. stop it. We should stop it. Yeah. We'll get to why we were saying that later. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Superman. Superman. How's it been... Superman has, Superman. Superman has been cast. This is in the uh, upcoming reboot or reimagining, whatever you want to call it, that's being done as a collaboration between Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Although uh, there was an interview that uh, Zack Snyder did with Empire Magazine where he was saying that Chris Nolan's job, now that he's hired, is for the most part done. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he was there for a lot of the initial development stage, and he'll probably drop in every once in a while, but I don't think it's going to be... It's that much of an on-set collaboration. No. I don't think. He's just producing. Well, yeah. he will be on-set to say, you're running over fucking budget. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I think it is, in that regard, it is going to be very much a, a Zack Snyder joint. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I think also that he's also that kind of director. He's not going to come on unless he can put his stamp on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, they've uh, recently cast Henry... Cavill. Henry Cavill, who is in uh, The Tudors. Um... Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. I he does. I'm not really familiar. Who with was him. he in The Count of Monte Cristo? I think he was the lead. No, he wasn't. That was Jim Caviezel and uh, or Jim Caviezel and Guy, Guy Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. So he wasn't either of the leads. Well, he must have been the young one then. I can barely remember that movie. Yeah. But uh, apparently, this guy has been an, uh, has has almost been a has been for the last while, or an also <laughs> ran. I mean. He was, uh, apparently he was up for the running of Clark Kent in 2006 when McGee was working on Superman Returns. And mm-hmm. um, he was also apparently um, addition for Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. Yeah. Well, he does kind of have that look. Mm. I mean, uh, he does sort of have that kind of brooding look. And I, and I do kind of like his look for Superman. I think it's a different way to go. Mm. You know, I mean, they're not trying to go all sort of like... I think they realize that they can't find another Christopher Reeve. Yeah. You know, which is uh, kind of what... I mean, it was one of the good things, and also one of the bad things about Superman Returns is that, uh, you know, the you know Brandon Routh did an amazing job, but I think it was so much in Christopher Reeve's shadow. It was yeah. modeled so much to be Christopher Reeve Superman that also you, super stalking. Yeah, that, <laughs> that <never laughs> I mean, really helps. I mean, there are a whole bunch of problems with that movie, but I think it was so Christopher Reeve centric that a lot of people didn't see what Brandon Routh was actually doing. Oh, he was apparently just, also passed over for James Bond as well. Really? Yeah. Well, I dare say that was a smart choice. Yes. <laughs> Daniel Craig can beat the shit out of this kid yeah, any day yeah. of the week. I'm looking at him, and he's giving me his tough guy look, and I still and I still think I can take him. Yeah, he's going to be interested to see what he's going to look like when he's got to because the pictures he, I've seen other pictures with him with uh, this picture we're looking at right now, dear viewer or listener, is that uh, with him with it's the um, Superman lives uh, Superman. He's got the mullet going. Yeah, a little uh, bit. And the beard. Um, but I've seen pictures of him with much shorter hair, so I don't know what they're going to go with it as. But apparently I've heard a rumor that Lois Lane's not going to be in this movie. 
No, uh, yeah. I He's heard, not even going to get to the Daily Planet. Yep, I've uh, heard the same thing. There is, uh, There has been like a top secret female role that people have been casting uh, with um, Alice Eve, Diane Kruger's name was mentioned, also Rosamund Pike. Uh, and there's like a big rumor going around that it might be um, Ursa. Oh, what? what? Yeah, which, which would connect it to General, Do- General Zod. General um, but I'm not entirely sure that's been confirmed. Yeah. But there has been a rumor running around that that is the uh, the secret female role that these girls have been casting for. It's weird. I know. It's like what? I mean, you know, General Zod's cool and everything, but I when think, the you know, fuck I, I are we like going to get? See, the... I would like to see something different. I want to see a Brainiac movie. I want to see fucking Kal-El beating the shit out of a giant UFO on a green robot. We want to see Justice League Unlimited brought to life, yes. pretty much, is what, what we want. Which I think, uh, ultimately, I think is what most people want now. Yeah. We've had enough of the sort of, like, thinking man, like, uh, lovesick puppy Superman yeah. things. You know, can we please just have an all-out kick-ass, balls-to-wall action, action fucking Superman beating the shit out of the whole universe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or pushing planets, back when he used to do pushing that. Pushing planets, fucking, you know... You blow a star out because it's on fire <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking superman yeah. you know stop saving planes oh yeah or catch the plane and then throw and then it at somebody throw it at <laughs> somebody it's got to be somebody we know you can do this yeah. why do you deprive of it of this shit lifting a giant kryptonite rock is just doesn't cut it in that regard i mean i think like the last half an hour of matrix revolutions is a more satisfying superman movie yeah you know, it's just like, like, what if Superman knew Kung Fu and, yeah. and, you know, really got into gothic black? But at least you got some proper fighting mid-air fights, you yeah. know? It's like, there's someone for him to fight. You I mean, got them hitting so, each other so hard, the raindrops exploded. That's all we want. Give yeah. him someone he can physically fight. Mm. <laughs> not like, not like have Get some Get stabbed human, in the yeah. back and yeah. beaten up by a bunch of thugs and fucking Har- Kumar. <laughs> <laughs> you got beaten up by Kumar, dude. That's <laughs> fucked up. Zack Snyder, please listen. Just throw him, you know. Kumar's in the plane that he throws at somebody. Have him punch punch someone. Or (laughs) something. Anything. (laughs) When you put it like that, you really get to the meat and bones of what's been missing in the Superman Superman movies. He never punches anything. He needs to hit stuff and lots of it. (laughs) I think, is this the first Superman now? He's a 27 year old. Is this the first Superman that's younger than us? Hmm? Is Brandon Ruth older than us? I have no idea. I mean, he's not returning my calls. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot his last birthday and <laughs> he's, he's just yeah. been pissed. <laughs> That's why he ignored me at the Comic-Con. It's <laughs> like, Brandon! Brandon! Just ignored me when I talked to that. Did you get my call? What? I left the message. Did you get my call? <laughs> But uh, this all leads great, I guess, so that's the story was before that they had the script about Superman just walking around the place before he becomes Superman, so it's going to be Smallville, the movie, essentially. Uh, at this point, I'm going to kind of reserve judgment yeah. because it, you know, it could all just be bullshit that we're being fed. Yeah. Uh, I hope it is, because I'm, I'm, I'm done with all that shit. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see, you know, move on for fuck's sake, yeah. you know. Like, we don't need to see Krypton destroyed. The Superman again. universe is so vast, there's so many great arcs for you to draw from. Yeah. Why do you keep drawing from the same fucking well? Yeah. Yeah, that's inherently it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of male superheroes, the poster for uh, there's going to be a lot of speaking of superheroes. Yeah, there always is. <laughs> um, the poster for Captain America: The First Avenger uh, came out. The, the the new teaser poster, and it looks badass. It's it looks like, awesome. He's just standing there, Chris. 
We'll be putting like a. We'll put a link up to we'll this. Putting a, we'll, yeah, there'll be a link up to this shit, so you'll be able to take a look at this. It is awesome. And he's just holding the shield and standing in something burning, so God only knows what he's avenging. Well, but what I love, what I love about it is that it, it very much uh, the tone of it uh, is very, very John Cassidy. Mm. It's very, uh, very it's like much. Yeah, very much uh, John Cassidy's uh, initial run. That uh, was. One of the covers, something similar. Something very similar, yeah. Yeah, with him holding, looking the head down. I think in the background they had the Twin Towers, maybe something like that. Yeah, I mean, after 9-11, um, characters like Superman and Captain America especially took a very different turn uh, because they could no longer play Captain America like the, uh, the ultimate Boy Scout. Yeah. He had to be someone who has to take in the situation. And I remember they rebooted Captain America. It was John, John Nee Reber, I think his name, John mm -hmm. Nee Reber. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the writer who did a like six issue arc on the reboot with John Cassidy, and uh, the the first few pages of um, uh, the first issue was um, the, you know like Cap at Ground Zero, yeah. dig, dig, helping to helping to dig people out, yeah, people. and it was just uh, what what the whole thing did to him as a as a character, and I mean for the, because because of that it just gave them so many different avenues they could take it in terms of character development. Yeah, and well hopefully this will have the same. We also had the first shots of Bucky. Did you see Bucky? No. Yeah, he, I mean, part of the guy who played Bucky auditioned for uh, Captain America, and so they have gone the route of. Oh, Buck, Bucky! Kid. Yeah. It's a Bucky, what's that? <laughs> Bucky I got lost was. in your accent there for a second. <laughs> Bucky? Don't you read books? <laughs> books? What you, books? Bucky? It's like. <laughs> Who are you, Russell Brand? <laughs> Captain America my, and Bucky. <laughs> my Wookie book? Bucky Wook? <laughs> what is that? He's Bucky. Bucky. He's Bucky Wook. Bucky Buck. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yeah, so Bucky, yeah. He yeah but he's not, he's not like a little kid or anything like that. He's actually just a grunt and stuff. And that is something that's going to be interesting to see uh, how they fit into the film. Mm. Bucky, Bucky's character. Well, it looks like he, like, you know, he's... Fuck it, I'm just, I'm going to call him Bucky. Bucky. <laughs> see if it affects the rest of my... It's interesting to see how they fit Bucky into the... <laughs> into the rest of the... Rest of the... Rest of the, rest of the what do they say, movies or films? Rest of the films. 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 They have Malay. Let's see the film. Let's <laughs> see the film last week. It's like a Malay guy on speed. <laughs> film. Film. Otherwise it's film. Film. <laughs> uh, speaking of superheroes, uh, there's been, um, it's uh, recently been reported that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm -hmm. is in talks to join The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, there's no confirmation as to his character. Uh, people are assuming it's the Riddler. This is just weird because they've been saying that for ages. They've been saying this for ages, but it's mostly just like random fans on the internet. Mm. It's like as soon as Heath Ledger died, it's like, oh, this is terrible, such a tragedy. Who's going to replace him? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, and his name was mentioned as a replacement for the Joker yeah. a long time ago. And then after that, there was some talk about the Riddler. And then after that, you just assume that the internet wants it so much, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just not. But I mean, they do cast like, weird people. You remember the, the the commissioner who wasn't Gordon? Is the internet to blame for Nathan Fillion not getting cast as Hal Jordan? Could be. Could be. But you know the uh, the guy who played the commissioner, the black guy who played the commissioner before Commissioner Gordon in Pat Hengel. Is that his name? In in the Tim Burton ones? No, no, in the new one. In the new ones. But remember, he got poisoned. Spoiler. <laughs> Remember when the yeah, Joker yeah, goes yeah, and yeah, 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 starts yeah, taking yeah. out the, the text, taking out the, the law enforcement officials, yeah, yeah. and it's like it's the poison in the glass. Yeah. He was always the guy who used to be on the um, Fast Show in the UK. That's right. So they do cast <laughs> weird people, and he was one of those guys like, "Hi, I'm Clint Rothburn or something like that. <laughs> they used to just have that sketch, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just he'd just say that and he'd disappear. And he wouldn't do anything else. He'd just be in a field or something. <laughs> so when I saw him, I was like, I kept explaining, "Hi, I'm Commissioner Dent or something, you know, something else." <laughs> Coming at you live from Gotham City. <laughs> I can't. 
I can't hear the, uh, anything to do with the fast show set without just bursting, bursting. <laughs> that show was just so ridiculously retarded. That show was very much like making love to a beautiful, beautiful woman. woman. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now, it's just been uh, reported in a few publications, nothing entirely official. We don't, we don't really know if it's going to happen. You never know who we could turn up as. If, it's, would, it's would, Nolan. Be, would be interesting if it's the Riddler, though. They, they start, start shooting. The Although there was also um, um, a rumor going around that Robin Williams also could, um, isn't, could also like be for uh, Hugo Poole. Hugo Pool? No, Hugo what? Strange. Hugo Strange, yes. That looks like Hugo Pool. I thought, I thought, I meant, eh. <laughs> My, I was, I might still coward the name Hugo Pool. <laughs> Hugo Pool. <laughs> the thing is, the I don't Pool even, Man. The thing is, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> I know, it's weird. I don't even know why I said that. He cuts Batman with his net on a stick that he used for getting leaves out of the pool. <laughs> Jesus, Hugo Pool. A lot of the Hugo Strange stuff is coming. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep, asshole! Read the fucking meter another day! <laughs> a lot of the Hugo Strange stuff is coming from the video game um, Batman Arkham City because Hugo Strange is the bad guy in that. <laughs> so some people got things mixed up on that, I think. Probably. Um, to come back to Captain America as well, we uh, mentioned last week the Super Bowl. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. As the Super Bowl progresses, we'll try and get the links to the trailers that come out. The trailers we can expecting, we can expect supposedly a trailer for Captain America today. Mm -hmm. uh, Thor, Cowboys and Aliens, Pirates of the Caribbean, Rango, Limitless, Super and Super 8, and another one for Transformers. But, yeah. I'm looking forward to see what Super 8 is, hopefully it's some actual footage. I don't know, because there hasn't been any actual footage, uh, I just uh, haven't really been thinking about it. Yeah, me neither. Because it's just like, you know, I mean, we've, we've seen this marketing stunt before. Yeah. You know, and if I remember, the, uh, the one of the uh, earliest ones I can remember is actually Godzilla. And mm -hmm. that didn't turn out very well. No. Oh, that was the one with the guy running down the plank that they yeah, actually put yeah. in the movie because yeah, yeah. they were such a joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I blame the internet for that. <laughs> Curse you, internets. No, but it'd be good to see uh, trailers from some of these other things. Also, especially like, you know, like things like Thor and also Captain America, seeing as there hasn't been anything. Yes, we haven't seen anything in the We haven't seen yet, anything, so... so. That'll be sweet. This is unfortunate. It's going to be, it's going to be less than a 30-second spot, right? That's what the, the slots are 30 seconds, aren't they? Well, at least it's something. Yeah. It's a little something. So. Anyway, let's move away from the superhero world just for a little bit. Uh, f after um, the success of Gone Baby Gone and The Town, uh, Ben Affleck has basically, as a director, been throwing everything at yeah. the kitchen sink. And uh, he's been attached to, he's said to have been considering quite a few things. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we talked about in another podcast was a Replay, which was mm -hmm. kind of like a, a slightly more science fiction romance version of Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. uh, but now he's apparently in talks to direct Argo, mm -hmm. which is uh, an adaptation of an article in Wired called How the CIA Used a Fake Sci-Fi Flick to Rescue Americans from Tehran. Yeah, it's obvious. Uh, and it's... The, the story is just pretty out there. It's like, uh, it's set in 1979, mm -hmm. and it uh, has the CIA and the Canadian government used a disguised expert and famed comic book artist Jack Kirby, uh, who co-created Marvel characters, uh, Incredible Hulk, Captain America, Fantastic Four, X-Men, uh, to concoct a fake science fiction movie called Argo. Using disguises and the Argo cover story, the CIA was able to rescue six US diplomats from Iran. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's insane, right? <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it just sounds ridiculous, uh, and it's also being uh, executive produced by George Clooney. No, oh. which, which probably which, which probably means it'll be Section Eight, which also involves Steven Soderbergh. 
So cool. cool. It sounds insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a story that has been, it needs to be made into a movie though. You can, you can imagine there's various different tones that can go with it, but I think Affleck could be good, like director at it, because it probably has that layer of like readability. Re- like, re- realism to yeah. it, which seems to be his thing that he always goes for. And, all the, and of like course, all the agents are from Boston. <laughs> I would just like it'd be cool because like I'd just like to see uh, an actor's portrayal of Jack Kirby yeah that'll be interesting you know like because Jack, Jack Kirby's he's always just kind of been like sort of this legendary sounded like figure yeah yeah that you, and somehow you just, and somehow I'm just like sick of seeing Stan Lee yeah <laughs> can we see some Jack Kirby please yeah I mean, Jack Kirby's one of those artists that if you're a comic book reader even if you're like uh, just someone who just reads the books without any real idea of uh, artists' names or writers' names. If you like, ima- if you're of a certain age, if you imagine, close your eyes and imagine Fantastic Four. Chances are you'll be imagining his Fantastic Four. Yeah. Or else uh, Jessica Alba's Fantastic Two. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was one of the fake comic book covers from uh, Mallrats. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I had a lot of those as my screensaver. Um, in release news, we can say that uh, anyone looking forward to the Avatar sequels is going to have to wait a while. Uh, apparently, uh, Cameron said that the releases for Avatar 2 is Christmas 2014 and 2015 for Avatar 3. We should have jetpacks by then, right? <laughs> 2014, like 2011 sounds bad, no, but 2014, like, you've seen that scrolled along the bottom of too many post-apocalyptic sci-fi movies. It's just, uh, I'm, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I'm not even, I'll probably change my tune when the movies actually come out, mm-hmm. but I'm, I can't say I'm particularly excited about a sequel. Have you seen Cameron's on Twitter now? No, I have not. He's, he's, he joined Twitter recently, and he had some funny tweets, uh, tweets, but most of it now is starting about this movie Sanctum. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's been producing, and it's all, but he's he's lent the cameras, the 3D cameras used for Avatar to these guys to shoot this underwater movie. From what I understand, the re- early reviews are shit. Yeah, it's supposed to be absolutely fucking terrible. <laughs> but he's been tw- tweeting about it like it's the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> and this is supposed to be the movie that proves that technology works. <laughs> he also did a little thing. I didn't. Um, I didn't actually watch it because apparently you have to like a virgin site on uh, Facebook. But there is also uh, he did an interview like in a water tank in his obiscuer. Uh-huh. Yes, I, I heard about this. Yeah. yeah, he's a dick. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is something that I saw on um, on WorstPreviews.com, and uh, the heading just cracked me up. Mm-hmm. Cohen brothers laugh at Tara Reed's the Big Lebowski two comments. <laughs> <laughs> Because we haven't talked about Tara Reid in a while. No, well, so, we haven't talked about Tara Reid ever, have we? No, we have, we have. We have Why? talked about her a little bit. Like, basically, just to make fun of her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were drunk. Yeah. Uh, but so was she. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff... <coughs> you all right? I'm sick. Jeff Bridges has been saying that he would love to bring back the original Big Lebowski. Uh, and his comments... That's why he did the dude in Tron. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, that's his version <laughs> the of the teaser. The closest I'm ever going to get. <laughs> and his comments were then backed by co-star Tara Reid who recently revealed that filming will begin later this year <laughs> and that she will be returning to reprise her Bunny Lebowski role. Upon hearing of the news, Austin360 approached the Coen brothers and mentioned Reed's comments. They said, quote, I'm glad she's working on it. <laughs> Ethan Cohen said, laughing. <laughs> we don't have a sequel in the works, but we'll watch it when it comes out. Joel Cohen then added, especially if Tara is in it. <laughs> well, it's going to be the Big Lebowski 2, Bunny's Big Break. <laughs> uh, Tara Reed's representatives immediately wrote to Entertainment Weekly, stating, quote, She heard Jeff Bridges say that he wanted to make Big Lebowski 2, and all the original cast members in it, 
So she may have misspoke, <laughs> may. thinking that included her based on what Jeff said. And that's her. That's even her agent saying, yeah, he, she thinks yeah. people include her and stuff all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. That's oh. fucking funny. <laughs> There's a quite little cool thing that's come online. Apparently, there was a Galaxy. Remember Galaxy Quest? Yeah, yeah. Enjoyable little movie. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, the one, also known as the one that Tim Tim Allen went to the gym for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, before it came out, they did a spoof mockumentary about the original TV show that the actors supposedly worked on, on Entertainment Tonight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole thing is now up on YouTube. I had a look through it. It's kind of funny. Um, it's basically them all being interviewed in character, talking about the TV. You know, Galaxy Quest is about a TV, uh, basically the Star Trek crew who end up getting onto a real spaceship. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is all interviewing them, like as the movie's coming out, and they're all talking about the old TV show and working with each other. Mm-hmm. And like Alan Rickman's there without the headpiece on, and he's just like completely, you know, stonewalling uh, Tim Allen and just giving him. Sh- like, he's not giving out. He's doing that actor thing of like, I hated this fucker, but I shall not say it in interviews. It's quite funny. Um, there's also they, they said like you know Tim Allen had been working on that uh, that TV show Hello Neighbor where the whole gag was you only saw his upper head over the fence, <laughs> like from uh, what was it Home Improvement? Home Improvement, yeah. Do you remember that guy's name? The guy Wilson. Was that his name? I think it was Wilson. The guy lived next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which only saw his hat or his eyes. Yeah. Poor fucker. <laughs> I didn't really watch that show that much. <laughs> it was pretty. Uh? <laughs> I never. I don't know. I always thought it was pretty bad. Yeah. Any more news? No, that's me for... All right, we'll move on to... Let's roll Kato into emails. We don't have any emails. <laughs> no, we don't have any emails this no. week. <laughs> so if you'd like to send us an email, you, you can, can email, email us, us at, at podcast at mcyappenfries.com. Hey, if we say it together, it means you don't have to, no one has to have the last word. That's right. Right, so, what are we going to go first? I guess we'll go straight into movies. Um, you want to see the Green Hornet first? I right. guess. It's more fushi. Okay. Okay. Green Hornet. So yeah, this is based on an old TV show. Um, Start off as a radio radio serial. Yeah, I think so. Radial. Radial. <laughs> radial. Yeah, I think it was a started off as a radio series in the '30s, I think, mm-hmm. before uh, having its own TV serials. Who played Brit in the old TV show? Because everyone knows Kato was played by Bruce Lee. Is it like is it Val Val Williams or? Van Morrison, oh, Val, oh, Val Morrison or something. <laughs> uh, I know it was something like that. Van or Val. No one remembers him. Val Kilmer? What? No, it wasn't Val Kilmer. <laughs> Van Anderson. Van, Van Vilderbolt. <laughs> Van Van. Um, no, I don't know who the fuck it was, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was always the second rate. It was kind of like the, the, it was the same era as Batman, right? Or at least seemed to be that way. Uh, no, actually, the Green Hornet came before Batman and Superman. Oh, really? Yeah. So in that in that regard, uh, it was a little bit ahead of its time. You know, the whole idea of the Playboy millionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the character of Britt Reid was uh, on the scene before the character of Bruce Wayne. Uh, the fact that he um, uh, was the heir to um, to a newspaper company that. Yeah. Did, uh, the Daily Sentinel, so it's before the Daily Planet. Oh, that already was, that's part of the main yeah, story. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and also... Van the, Williams. Van Williams. Well, I wasn't... Hardy liaison. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that far off the mark. They're pretty close. <laughs> and uh, also the, uh, the Green Hornet's car, Black Beauty, which yeah. is one of the best things about this movie. Yes. Uh, you know, that, the, the whole idea of having like a super cool dark car with all of completely accessorized weaponry and everything, that was around before the idea of the Batmobile came yeah. along. So... 
you know, it's uh, its roots are definitely not to be scoffed at. Yeah, and uh, it is. A, it's a, it's a quick summary of the plot. Brit, um, I, keep want, I keep wanting to say Brit Eklund. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Brit Reed. Brit Reed uh, is a feckless waster who's just you know I think because of a couple of formation forming experiences in early life decides that you know he can't. His father has the opinion that if you you was a try. Do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, Essentially, it's like there's no point trying all the time if all you ever do is fail. Father is a stereotypical, like, rich taskmaster, and, like, and, you know, the son is just basically the one that always felt uh, unappreciated yeah. and therefore decided to lash act out. out. Yeah, act yeah, out. Yeah, act out by partying too hard and being an all around slut and just being a bit of a douche. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we should probably get that out of the way. I mean, the character. He's pretty douchey. Yeah, the character of Brick Reed is pretty much an asshole. Yeah, and then for some reason he decides to become a superhero and picks up uh, Kato as his sidekick, which we'll get to in a bit as well. I guess we'll just talk through stuff a bit. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, like, uh, his father, James Reed, played by Tom Wilkinson. Uh, I love how I love how uh, Tom Wilkinson plays young Tom Wilkinson by wearing a brown wig and yes. nothing more. Nothing else. <laughs> and it's so clearly a <laughs> fucking terrible wig. fucking wig. <laughs> you know, it's like. It, it, it looks like it's done on purpose. Yeah. Uh, but so yeah, Seth Rogen grows up essentially being goes we'll to say, awesome parties. Yes, he throws awesome parties. Like the fridge goes out the fucking window, right? And it's and it's uh, in the party stages where you can see a lot of Michel Gondry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like I think like the first half of the movie to me is way more Michel. I mean, Michel Gondry is the director, the film director of uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Science Sleep. Yep. Uh, and uh, the first half of this movie, you see a lot more of his sort of like his touches in it. Mm. And as the movie progresses, it becomes more formulaic and more sort of like uh, your, your typical studio, your typical studio movie that mm-hmm. you see less and less of his input. But I think that the, the, the typical superhero thing, it's not. I mean, he it's kinda, not. It's he, not. He, goes, he goes into this accidentally. Yeah. I mean, it's not that he is out, you know, using his spider powers and accidentally thwarts a crime, but mm-hmm. he's it, he's actually committing a, an act of petty vandalism, yeah, and accidentally uh, starts something off, and then thinks about it, and you know, in a drunken fucking haze, gets Cato to join him. Yeah, you know, and, and in that in that regard, it is it is different, um, but it doesn't always hit the mark, and I mm-hmm. think that's part of the problem with it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, his father is. Um, well, his father passes away, but from 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 the very beginning, you can smell for, you can smell foul play. I yeah. think he said foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can always smell. Foreplay. Yeah, and it's after it, and it's after it's after his dad dies that he meets that he meets uh, Kato, who's played by. Uh, it's <laughs> I'm just imagining a Bond movie, Bond Twenty Three, the smell of played by Jay Chow, <laughs> <laughs> who is just as cute as a button. Oh, is he just? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was interested in seeing how the, that was going to work. Like, I I thought they handled that pretty well. It, it is a double header. It is. It it's is. It's very much the Kato is like the sidekick role, but he's not the sidekick of the movie. He is he's very much a full partner. Yeah, and uh, and they do have good chemistry. Yeah, I mean like the, I mean Jay, his it, delivery can be a bit Jay, off. Jay Chow's. I mean yeah, his English. He, I mean he, well he doesn't speak it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he mangles it. <laughs> He can't speak English, yeah. and he speaks English exactly like someone who can't speak English mm. would, you know, how you'd imagine, especially like an Asian. They all just like sound like David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> Every Chinese, like Jet Li, Chai Yun-Fat is probably the one who's like retained just a little bit of bass. Who? Chai Yun-Fat. Oh yeah. He's probably like the only one that's retained like a little bit of bass in his voice, but like Jet Li, fucking... Uh, you know, Jay Chow, they all sound like Bruce Lee did. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Want to say something cool? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 chop sake. Who's the guy who makes my coffee? <laughs> 
that was brilliant. <laughs> I, I mean, and basically that's how they meet. Is that um, for you? He's, he's, been, all, he's always been made the perfect cup of coffee, every, Seth which Rogen. he needs because he's yeah. a party animal. Yeah, which he needs every morning. And uh, when he doesn't get his coffee because he fired everyone the day before, yeah. That's how he meets Cato. Cato's the guy who's been making him his coffee, and it was basically in a custom like, coffee machine. I know, and it, and there's one bit where you see Cato make the coffee, and yeah. it's awesome. Yes, when he how he does the leaf, that's fucking that's awesome. So, I was like, I've always wondered how they did. I was like, no, I know. He's like, Ooh. show his face, show his face, show it's really him. <laughs> it's like I hate it when actors like play the piano and they never show you him play the piano. It's like yeah. show his fucking fingers. <laughs> Is Jake Chow a musician or just an actor? He's a musician. He's a musician because yeah. there is a piano scene in this where he's piano. Yeah, piano. yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. I can't say I'm familiar with his music career, but yeah. uh, I've seen him on mute a bunch of times. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, he seems all right. Yeah. The fans seem to like him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's liked. He's not well liked. Actually, there's a, there's a girl in my office who's absolutely infatuated with him. Really? It's got like more pictures of him than her husband on her fucking. <laughs> she liked the movie, yeah. I don't, I don't know. This is before the movie even came out. I yeah. mean, like this is like she's just like a huge fan of his. Well, he also does like a lot of movies in, yeah. uh, like a lot of Chinese movies. He did I, he did that classic uh, kung fu dunk. Oh. Yeah, you know, that mixed that mixed martial arts with basketball. Wow. Was that hot in the heels of Shaolin Soccer, I guess? I don't know, I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, through the cool coffee machine and all the other shit that Kato's been doing and downstairs in the um, garage, uh, you see, this guy's a fucking ge- He is like, yeah. the Batman. He's the, he's the gadget side of, of Batman. You know, he's 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 Robin and Alfred uh, rolled into one. Yeah. <laughs> but a cool Robin. Yes, a very cool, cool Robin. Robin. So that's the, the, the setup is there, and then they go into becoming, they have this plan to become He's the bad guy. Him. They don't want to be the good guys, because the good guys, you know, all you got to do is like find someone who's related to the good guy, and then, you know, they, they, they hold them ransom, and the yeah. good guy gets killed. So instead, they'll pretend to be the bad, bad guys. guys. Yes, as this was mentioned in pretty much every trailer mm. that came out. Uh, but that's, It's conv- convoluted logic, but whatever. Yep. Seems to be working to begin with. Yeah. And uh, the other villain is played by Christoph Waltz in his uh, first role since Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as Chudnowski. As, as Chudnowski. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie actually opens with him. Yeah, the movie opens with him and, uh, and a really, really awesome cameo. Yeah. Should, should we tell them? It is the first 10 minutes, can't be spoilers. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's James Franco. Yeah, no, and it's awesome. Cabin. It, he's yeah. awesome. He is one of the best things in the movie. And it's, a, br- it's a brilliant introduction <laughs> to Chudnovsky in that he is this small looking, you know, weaselly looking man, but he is yeah. like the king of all crime in LA. Yeah, and I mean, like the interesting thing is, is that uh, he's suffering from the criminal's uh, sort of idea of a midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, am I not scary? Am I not scary? Yeah, I know, he's like, I don't know, he seems to be at odds with his image and he feels like he's out of touch. And no, nobody seems to be intimidated by him. Yeah. That's why he has to go around killing everyone so they'll be scared of him. Uh, and Christoph Waltz brings some interesting nuances to it, but I felt a little let down by his character. He's also not a very well-written character. You, no. you never really feel threatened by him in any way whatsoever. I felt, I felt he would fit a little bit more in Kick-Ass. Yeah, a little bit. And it's funny you should mention that because like, uh, he replaced Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And uh, I heard uh, one of the reasons why Nicolas Cage bowed out was like due to creative differences because Nicolas Cage insisted on doing it with a Jamaican accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. And, and you know what? After seeing the movie, I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> I think, I mean, because Nicolas Cage, I mean, he's a Either little... the red of your blood or the red of my mask will be the last thing you'll see. <laughs> But that would have been awesome <laughs> to see Nicolas Cage in that role. Because when I think of Nicolas Cage in that kind of role, I just automatically think of Nicolas Cage in this really shitty movie called Deadfall. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No. It's uh, he's just a fucking lunatic in it, and he looks crazy. His hair is 
just like center parting down the side and it's still very thick yeah. and he's got like a handlebar mustache and he looks fucking insane actually Deadfall that's a very interesting it's like a shit movie but with all these great actors in it mm. it's like it's uh, him Michael Bean James Coburn shit uh, John Leguizamo turns up Charlie Sheen's in it you know so Sarah Trigger who's Sarah Trigger she was um, the prince, one of the princesses in the sequel to Bill and Ted oh last scene on the run from the law <laughs> <laughs> really yeah cause uh, she she's, uh, she was uh, John Cryer's ex-wife and she tried to kill him <laughs> <laughs> she tried to, she tried to kill him and he called the cops on her. <laughs> and now, now, now like, uh, there's like I think there's like still like a bad divorce thing going on no. and they're like they're just like slandering each other or well, like they were it's like she's saying that he's that he's upset and he's depressed because he, he's not Charlie Sheen yeah <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I think the real the real core of this movie is not the superheroics it's the relationship between Jay Chow and, yeah it is very um, much a buddy movie in that yeah. regard and it, it, it hits and misses yeah in equal I mean part of the problem is that Seth Rogen's character is a fucking asshole he's a dick and uh, in, certain, in certain scenes he doesn't just come up like a likable dick or whatever You're the friend of yours that's a bit of a dick he's just he's coming off as a he's a creep. creepy dick he's a, he's a creepy yeah. son of a bitch and he's a whiny bitch yeah you know like uh, I mean he even like uh one of the ways that he taunts Kato is like literally to do baby crying. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to like, baby. <laughs> baby! You big baby. <laughs> yeah, and then he walks off and comes back. You know, and it's 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 kinda like it makes it makes you smile, but at the same time it's like, what the fuck? The, all sympathy for this character is at the at the window. You want Jay, you want Jay Chow to kick his ass, and the scene that I yeah. think would happen because the whole point is that the Green Hornet himself is fucking terrible at fighting. That, that, yeah, yeah, there's actually yeah. a nice moment when he gets in the gun. He's like, "I got you a present." Yeah, because because you, like, you can't fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what? It's like <laughs> he doesn't take it as a gift. He takes it as a fucking insult. That's quite funny as well. Yeah, I mean, and he and knocks himself out with the gas gun. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. And uh, and Michelle Gondry, but Michelle Gondry does give um, Seth Rogen one cool little sequence to do some proper fighting. Yeah, that's one at the end. Yeah, they're towards the end. Where and he, then they twist the comedy. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and that was very funny. Yeah, and that's also something that's very nice. I mean, is that they they stay true to their guns. Is that you know they they're not you know it's, this isn't the Dark Knight. No. You know, this isn't the dark night. We're going to have some fun. And there's not, there's not a tremendous. Uh, and there is a very sincere attempt to create a very fun film. Yeah. It's just part of the problem is like, like with the character and also What's the. Is also it Gangster's Paradise? Is it? Yeah, yeah. When they're driving down yeah, the street yeah, yeah. in the car, listen to Gangster's Paradise. That's a cheesy laugh. That's man. awesome, though. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> the two of them singing along and popping back and forth. But the movie does. What was it they drove to in Kickass? They're driving, driving along into something as well. Remember they were just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. But uh, the running time as well, it mm. does kind of play on a little bit. Mm. You're wondering where it's going to go or how it's going yeah. to. Is, are yeah. they actually and going to meet the bad guy at any point, or is it going to continue? Well, that's. I mean, also that goes back to the, the fact that you never feel like there's any real clear bad guy mm. because Christoph Waltz never really makes that much of an impression. Yeah. You Although know, so you know, he said he blows up a whole place at the beginning, and then he does yeah, kill a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but there's, there's no. There's nothing to fulfill that early promise of yeah. what his character is capable of. Because at first you think it's kind of, kind of like an homage to his opening scene in Inglorious Bastards, yeah. where initially you think he seems like a reasonable man, but then becomes something truly terrifying. Mm. And they do kind of succeed slightly in making you think, oh, okay, he's a badass now. Yeah. Because after that scene, that's what you're thinking. Oh, he's going to be a badass. Yeah. But then he spends the rest of the movie having Bitch, this sort moaning. of you know, bitching and moaning. And then his sort of solution to how he's going to... Survive some pleather. Yeah. That doesn't work for no. me. That just was really stupid. Like the the third act of this movie to me is uh, it let me let me down in the sense it was kind of retarded. Yeah. There's a whole thing with uh, 
I won't get without giving too much away. Seth Rogen and Jay Chow need to get something to the office so they can let people in on a little secret. Yeah. And the way in which it's done, <laughs> it's like, dude, can't 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 you run out and fuck? <laughs> can't you send it from your phone? You know, you know I mean, exactly. There are all of these things that. It's just, uh, uh, you know, it's just a bit much. I think that, that, that's a that's a prime example of where Seth Rogen gets into the. Oh look, my suit. Okay, now quickly, they're behind us. Oh, over here, you know, he just ends up doing that for half an hour. But exactly. it, that is a cool car chase. It Although is. I was slightly worried about the continuity because I was like, is that a machine gun sticking out of the boot? At one point, it seemed to be mm -hmm. the boot teams who got blown up. Yeah. And you don't really see why. Yeah. Uh, and the car is very much a star in this movie. You no, the car is awesome. Yeah, it is very very good. The car is it is for this film what the Batmobile was for Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. It's like the first time you saw that car. That is the coolest fucking car I've seen in a movie in my entire life. Yeah, and as well as the fact we were like taking photos with it in San Diego. <laughs> But it is, yeah. <laughs> it is an awesome car. Yeah. It is an awesome car. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the film is fun, but it's also equally forgettable. Yeah. It's like uh, I was, in, I enjoyed myself while I was watching it, but after I was done watching it, I wasn't that keen on really talking about it. And there wasn't, you know? there wasn't. I mean, there it's wasn't not the kind of movie where you walk out your friends like, oh, and that bit, yeah, or yeah, that yeah, bit, yeah. and that bit. You know, you might have the odd giggle here and there. Uh, There's nothing that bit. stands out. That There's much. nothing that really stands out in that regard. And and and. You, I, you kind of expect a little bit more, in, at least in terms of being standing out visually from Michel Gondry. Yeah, there was the Cato vision, which was used sparingly. So yeah. I used that often, but they did the thing where it's like he's jumping and then one car becomes five. Yeah. It's very much like that. What was that video? Let Forever Be by the Chemical Brothers. Mm -hmm. It's very much that style of things. And that's when I was like, whoa. Yeah. Once you see that, it's like, well, hang on. It's been very directed, like very two shot or just, you know, very wide yeah. shot, to, you know, close up, wide shot, close yeah. up, up until this point. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow. And then it's yeah. back to normal. Yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. I know, I know. And and the thing is, is that that whole bit of him taking on like multiple guys and then like the slow mo of people in midair, that's been done. Yeah. It's been done with uh, the well, uh, well, no, I mean, uh, more sort of directly copying that, or the or the Green Hornet is, mm. resembles a lot more is actually the Jet Li movie, the one. Mm. They had quite a few of those sequences just like that. So even so, it looked cool, but it's like I've seen it before. Yeah. I'll give away the punchline, but one of the best gags is where uh, Brit get before Brit gets his like thinking vision. Yeah. And your man says to him afterwards, like that thing about how long it's taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, Kato does it all within that time, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. does it, that was a that was a genius <laughs> joke. I got a big fucking laugh in the cinema. I really like that one. But um, the ending, the one thing that really struck me about this after watching it, there's not enough. The treaty's not much. Yeah. I didn't notice at all, apart from the end credits. Do you see the end? Do you see much of the end credits? Keep your glasses on. Um, for a little bit. Because the actual, you know, at cast lists, um, like they have to first they have like the animated stuff going on where it's all boom kapow and it's popping out of the screen. It looks awesome. It looks like an old school comic book, like Whammo, whatever the fuck that is. Um, and then the actual normal straight credits start, mm -hmm. but they're actually angled out of the screen, so it has character name, actor name. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's like the most inventive use of 3D throughout the movie. Yeah, that's another thing. The 3D does not really register all yeah. that much. I mean, like there's a couple of sequences here and there where like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, there's one pointless fucking 3D sequence that I actually like. Got angry. <laughs> I actually got I got angry. Is where uh, fucking Kato opens the beer opens the beer bottle. And, yeah. And then the caps fly over to him. I was just like, what the fuck was the point of that? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> we do have to say as well that there is an awesome scene between a fight scene between the two guys in the middle, which is brilliant. It is a it is a standout moment in the film. And it goes on for ten minutes. Yeah, it's great. I mean, like there's one that one bit where Kato jumps and flips him off. <laughs> yeah. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of <coughs> the fights between uh, Inspector Clouseau and Kato in the Pink Panther movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that shit? You, you'd get home after the opening sequence and you'd have to have a... Kato? 
Get down. Ah! Ah! Yeah, he's on the, he's on the roof or something. <laughs> ah! No, get down. Ah! Not now. <laughs> I gotta watch those again. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Oh, he's on that? the bed. He's like, <laughs> yeah. ah! <laughs> I wonder if I would like a rim. A what? A rim. A rim. A rim. Idiot. Was that fat guy that always wanted to kill? Him? Like uh, in in uh, the Pink Panther Strikes Again, that fat guy he looks like he looks like an orc. The no, is the boss? <laughs> is it? No, it's not the boss. Okay. Yeah, no, no, actually, it is. It is his boss. Kill. Crystal. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> and he always ends up in hot. Oh, he's, he's like he's got the he's got the one gun's a gun and the other gun's a lighter. And he's continually getting them mixed up. <laughs> They're funnier than the Green Hornet, but uh, I don't much think, funnier than the Green Hornet. Mentioned the 3D and everything else. There was one thing as well that stuck out for me because this is uh, what rating was this? 18s? No, I think this is PG-13. Because there's a lot. Yeah, for they I, kill all the bastards. Yep, yep. There is like it is uh, for quite a frivolous frothy coffee of a movie it does have a quite a high bloodlust and it does you know and it like throws some words around that might be slightly risque like balls yeah yeah it's PG-13 PG-13 because yeah. I was surprised you know the the comeuppance that happens upon a certain not Blodnowski but another uh, bad guy yeah is like what what the fuck yep what <laughs> what I mean it's a bit dark they just go around killing these motherfuckers yep and setting them on fire and shit <laughs> Awesome, but like it does, it does, it does. It, st- it struck a weird note for me because it was like everything else is so fluffy. Why are they killing people left, right, and center? Why does he even have a gas gun if they're just going to set people on fire with machine gun fire? But it's also done in a slightly cartoonish way as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, there's no repercussions of the violence. Because I never really noticed it. I mean, it never really seemed like that much of a big deal to me. Yeah, no. It's at the end when I was just thinking, oh my god, they've killed like it's almost bloodier than Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> Part deux. Part deux. Part deux. Uh, but also, like one, one, one more thing to add to the film is uh, why is Cameron Diaz in it? Yes, actually. It's very like, weird when she turns up. It's like, what? Huh? It's a while before she turns up, and when she does, it's like, what, what are we watching? What? You know? What? But, but, it's like, what? What? Yeah. And, yeah. Stunt cast? Yeah. But then even weird, it's weird stunt casting. You'd expect to get like some... Uh, and he, he even makes a fucking joke about her age. I know. You're like 36, Jesus. I, I would have put you near 40 something. You know, I don't know if we can hire someone at 36. It's like, you're just being weird now. I mean, are you just talking to Cameron Diaz, the actress? Are you just ragging on her? You can't. What the fuck? And, but funny thing is, watching the movie, just before that bit of dialogue came into it, I was looking at her and I was she's thinking, not too well. I was like thinking, she's aged a bit, hasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly he brings it up and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Kato's notes of the whole thing is the picture of her, you pervert. <laughs> there is a nice little like homage to Bruce Lee. Yeah, there's a lovely little sketch of him. Yeah, because like uh, J. Chow's uh, Kato is, he likes doing illustrations and mm. we discover that he's been drawing pictures of Bruce Lee. <laughs> and then he's on sci-fi chicks. <laughs> sci-fi chicks. <laughs> what is this? Oh my god, you pervert! <laughs> The, the, the interplay between the two guys is worth watching. It's yeah, it is quite nice. funny. It yeah. is quite funny. I mean, it feels a little forced at first, but yeah. when it gets going, it's great. Which is generally a problem amongst like, you know, like uh, Chinese superstars that make their their Hollywood debut. You're, you're always like, you you're almost going there almost purely just to hear them speak English. Mm. 
You know, there were a big group of uh, Chinese Malaysians down the left hand side of the cinema where I went to, and they were just laughing at everything he said. <laughs> it was a nice touch that all the buttons he put in the car and then the coffee machine and everything all had Chinese text on them. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, at least Chai Yun Fat was smart, like in the replacement killers. Yeah. He kept his dialogue to a minimum. Yeah. It's like, what's your name? John. <laughs> Run. <laughs> I'm John, I'm John what? <coughs> Lee. Lee. <laughs> Stop asking me fucking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get Korea. <laughs> I would uh I would recommend it though. I mean, it's worth it's, it's worth a relaxing watch. It's not like it's not going to be blow your mind. Yeah, it's it's, it's a Saturday afternoon movie, but uh, you don't need to see it in three D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And uh, now we'll get on to uh, Oscar nominee. One hundred twenty-seven hours. Yep. This is the uh, the latest film from Danny Boyle, the director of Slumdog Millionaire, who is making a career out of taking stories you wouldn't expect. Yep. And making them into stories that are uh, awesome. Yep. But you could argue that he's been doing that for most of his career. Hmm. You know, I mean, like uh, train spotting, train spotting, a life less ordinary. Did he direct it? I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a life less ordinary apologist. <laughs> Ever seen that in the cinema? Go, what? It's generally, oh. it's generally regarded as the film Danny Boyle, Danny, uh, Danny Boyle never wants to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I liked it. I thought it was a weird, kooky, fun flick. Mm. It was bizarre, bizarre. And of course, Shallow Grave. I think. Yes, I that's think that's one of his best. Films. That's one of his best films. Um, uh, okay, I mean the less. I mean to me, the, the Danny Boyle movie that you should never talk about is The Beach. Yes, <laughs> it was like Beach. Yeah. Uh, so he also directed Sunshine, mm-hmm. uh, and he also directed um, was it Millions? Yes, I haven't seen that yet though. I, I haven't seen have it either, but I, I've heard it's supposed to be like again, like feel good, awesome. Yeah, it's like it's before you the UK. You walk out of this movie feeling amazing. Isn't the kid? Is that the, that's the one where the kid keeps getting yeah. visited by the Virgin Mary? Is it? I think so. I thought it was. Uh, I mean, I didn't know that much, but I thought it was like the kid. Like he finds like. Yeah, it's it, it, it's coming up to when it's coming up to when uh, the UK are joining the Euro. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a sci-fi flick, and um, <laughs> and uh, so the, the, I think there's a bank robbery or something like that, and they throw the money bag off the train. So two kids find mm-hmm. a bag of a million British pounds, but they've only got a couple of days left before the changeover happens, mm-hmm. and they have to spend it in that time. It's supposed to be very cute. I think it was made with like lottery money as well, which is kind of yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they just did you just put it in a bag and film it? <laughs> uh, who would have thought that the director of Millions would also direct Twenty Eight Days Later? Yeah, no. <laughs> Twenty Eight Days Later is, is the one that doesn't fit into the, the other the rest of the over. I mean, it is a zombie movie. It's, it reinvented a lot of the zombie movie stuff, but it's a zombie movie. It's very yeah. clearly a zombie movie, although they are the infected. But it is a genius zombie movie. Yeah, it is great. But anyway, this is his latest film, mm-hmm. uh, One Hundred Twenty Seven Hours, which is uh, based on the book um, by Aaron Ralston. Uh, called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Mm. And, um, Witty. Yeah. And it's essentially about uh, this guy, Aaron Ralston, uh, played by in the movie, uh, played James in the movie by James Franco. Um, and uh, he's basically uh, doing a solo excursion into the, uh, the, the mountains of, uh, U- the Utah, mm-hmm. of Utah. The Utah. The Utah. Oh, the yeah. Utah. The Utah. The Utah. And he, um, while he's being a little bit of a maverick, uh, has an accident and gets his uh, hand right, stuck under his, a rock. His right arm cut, uh, stuck under a rock, and in a we- ca- canyon out of everywhere. And as he brings up himself, and he didn't. And you're such a superhero, you didn't tell anyone where you were going. That is one of the really cool parts of the film. Yes, actually, right. it's and of- James Franco plays it. Very well. Yeah, it, that was like it's very much like that play I saw recently. Uh, someone to watch over me, where the the, the laughs are. It's like it's a laughing section, but it's like it's laughing because of desperation. Yeah. Well, I laughed. Yes. <laughs> like you can laugh, but you know he's hurting on the inside. Yeah. It's like you, you laugh, but you feel dirty for laughing. Yes. Yeah. Because you yeah. know he's in a lot of pain, and also because you know what's coming. 
Yeah, I mean, this you is... Know, and in no, some very sick, much, fucked up way. Very much <laughs> watching, because you can't go into this movie. Not, I mean, fair enough, there seem to be people who do they just go to the cinema and just go, oh, let's go see this. He's trapped there for 127 hours before he realizes that... Uh, well, he actually realizes no. it earlier on, yeah. but it's only after 127 hours stuck there that he finally cuts off his arm. Yeah, and like everyone going into this movie knows that happens. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> 85 minutes until he cuts his hand off, yeah. right? It's not 127 hours. It's like 60-something minutes. Yeah. Oh, no, no, 80-something 80, 80 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, but <coughs> yeah, that's it. There's no way you can go to this movie not knowing that. It was very like, what hit me was like the opening sequences that you see him getting ready for his trip. The opening credits are quite interesting as well. They are. They're they quite are. cool. Um, and it's all shot on digital video by the looks of things. Yeah. Um, which will match up later with the footage he's shooting himself. But um, there is the scene that was very much, it was a castaway I think had a lot more of them. Where on Castaway, you yeah. know he's going to get Castaway. So like, you know, oh no, I don't need my... Um, Satellite phone yeah, or my yeah, yeah, yeah. pen knife. I mean, those fucking pen knives seem to be. Getting, I'm gonna get one. And just fucking sellotape it to my yeah. face. But this guy's actually going on a little bit of adventure, so he has supplies. Yes, but I mean, he, he the yeah. hand goes yeah, yeah, and he yeah. can't fucking find the pen knife because it's yeah. on too high a shelf. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah. ah, I hope it doesn't do this all the way along. Gatorade. Oh, Gatorade. <laughs> no, that was that was great. That was well done. That, that wasn't, was very that was well very done. Well. That was very well done. There's, there's a, the, they managed to make a canyon in the desert look pretty cool. I get to, you, you spend an awful lot of the movie there, but they do manage to do a lot of different things. Apparently, they shot some of it there, but it's actually just too expensive to get to. Yeah, they shot yeah. a little bit there, and then they recreated it in a studio. Yeah, they made like a whole bunch of different molds of the uh, of the same rock and of the same yeah. sort of like uh, canyon which you got stuck in. Uh, but Didn't you just go back and kill the rock. <laughs> just get like a jackhammer and just like you fucker, <laughs> you took my hand. Take you apart. He beats it with his new new hand. <laughs> yeah, especially which, his which robot hand. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because uh, the crazy bastard has continued to climb. Yes. <laughs> after his, uh, I mean, that's one of the things about this movie is that um, about about this story is that it is very much like one of those real triumph of the human spirit types yeah. of tales. I mean, this is a guy who any other person would probably just have rotted away there, but this guy actually fucking went the extra distance yeah it's like it's like half an hour after it happens he's already 10 15 20 minutes after it already happens he gets his bag out and he goes through supplies and he sees yeah. what he has and yeah. he tries to figure little things and i mean that's something that sort of sets this movie apart is that we're not taught we're not looking at a story that oh this could this kind of thing could happen to anyone yeah it's not an account to, to be it's, not, a, it's yeah. not an account who becomes like who kills terrorists or something yeah i mean this this kind of thing is only going to happen to a very specific type of person yeah and it is it is established very early on in the film uh, that this guy is a fucking crazy ass daredevil. Yeah. Uh, and who's also a little bit of a douche, like just yeah. slightly. I mean, like he's got, you know, I mean, he does have a little bit of a god complex in that regard. Yep. But he does feel invincible. And that is a very much a theme of the movie in that he comes to realize, like, I think that, that that pays back to the credits we're saying, all those crowds of people. Yeah. And that while he spent so much of his life getting away from people, he begins to realize that he needs to be more in touch with people yeah, yeah. and to be a bit less of a douche. Yeah. And, and like, uh, it's also the, the whole idea that it is not what you do that defines you, which is very much um, sort of a running theme that goes throughout the book. Uh, I mean, one, I, I actually think, uh, I mean, I enjoyed the movie very much. I think mm -hmm. it's a great film, but I actually would have, um, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more had I not read the book. I haven't finished the book, but I've, I'm pretty, pretty much. Uh, and why is that? Well, I mean, like the, the thing is, is that the movie seems very truncated really? uh, compared to the book. The, the book goes into a lot of detail, and one of the things that it is cooler in a movie is that it's I'm I'm very visual, so it's like if I see what he's doing, yeah, it's like the the thing, the way that he does the way that he does the uh, his pulley, so he can sit, yeah, you know, and uh, take the take the weight off of his feet. Uh, it, as far as that part. 
being watching it uh, as a film is great yeah. because he goes into such detail talking about it in the book, and I don't confused. know, what, and I don't know what these fucking things are called. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that uh, he really knows the landscape. Yeah. The way he talks about it and his knowledge of different kinds of rocks and why he's unable to chip away at that fucking rock and how he developed, how he does the pulley system and all. And he goes, he he meant. He uh, he goes through in his brain in his brain all of his plans in detail before he actually tries to do it. So it's very detailed. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost too much. It, it feels like an Anne Rice novel. Now you do get it, that a little bit in the movie where he does fit, he works out like there's the one he can rest, but then he also tries to build a pulley system to get it out of there. Yeah, He's even yeah. saying like you know, uh, well the 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 harness isn't strong enough and the the rope is climbing rope, so it stretches. And yeah. what I really what I really could do with is and he lists off yeah. this technical jargon. Yeah, yeah. And of that, course the eight burly men to lift it. Uh, yeah, but that that's like uh, imagine there's shitloads more of that in the book yeah. I mean it is so full of that kind of information that you can get kind of confused mm-hmm. sometimes if you're not familiar with that but but because but but he's so articulate and it's so well written I mean I don't know if he had help writing it uh-huh. but if he wrote this whole fucking thing himself this guy's a very smart man yeah and that's something that I think they kind of gloss over in the film mm-hmm. in the film he's very much like it's like oh yeah let's go for it Woo! Yeah. you know he's like he's like gung-ho type uh, but, he's an, but he's an engineer. He just mentioned that at one point. Yeah, he does. But you don't see so much of that. You yeah. just see the crazy ass uh, adrenaline junkie. Whereas in the book, the you get he doesn't come across that way. Mm. You know, I mean, like the way that he deals with the problem and his uh, sort of um, how he uh, processes the whole thing and ultimately comes to that that revelation. Does of, he portray himself as a bit of a douche first in the book? Uh, not really. Mm. Not really. It's only it's only like later in the book when during that whole uh, which is the same. Uh, when he's sequ- reflecting on his life. Yeah, basically. when he's reflecting on his life and he realizes that he's been running away from a lot of things. That's when you get that. I mean, that's where it really comes out. Mm. But even then, at that point, you just really like this guy, mm. uh, and he comes across like a pretty upfront guy, like someone who someone who would be there for you. That, yeah. He does kind of come across that way. Uh, whereas and and the whole thing with the two chicks because mm-hmm. uh, before he gets caught he meets these two other uh, climber hikers uh, Christy and Christy and Megan who were lost yeah uh, who were playing the film by uh, Kate Mara and Amber Tamblyn uh, I just in, like saying that Amber Tamblyn Amber Tamblyn Amber Tamblyn Amber Tamblyn just what were you doing I was just Amber Tamblyn alone I like I like glass of Amber Tamblyn <laughs> <laughs> nice tall glass of Amber Tamblyn um, sitting on the porch and in the in the book it, they seem to connect more yeah. um, in because there's a very telling line when he walks away and she's like, well, you like him? Maybe we'll go to the party and stuff. And he's like, what about him? You think, he's like, I don't think we figured in his day at all. Yeah, and in the book, you get less of that. Yeah. In the, uh, in the book, it feels like, you know, I, I probably just might join you. Yeah. I mean, and also in the book, they discourage him a bit more from going. Oh, really? They actually, like, say, like, Jesus, you won't make it back before dark. You're going where? Yeah. You know? And that is the whole thing that makes him think, like, oh, fuck, how can I be so fucking stupid? Yeah. And that's and another thing in, in this. Yeah, another thing. Because that would, that would work very cinematically. I mean, yeah. That would tie in with the yeah. camera and the video of them and all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. They could say it on the camera and shit. Yeah. And also in the film is that you get you get the sense that he's a lot more irresponsible. Now, what he does here is irresponsible mm. by, by not telling anyone where he's going. Yeah. But in the movie, they make it seem like he might do this every now and then. Yeah. Whereas in the book, he makes it very clear it's. I broke my own rule. I always tell people where I'm going. Really? You know, so it's like it's just like this one fucking mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you feel 
Whereas here, you're kind of like, yeah, well, you fucking asked for it. Yeah. Don't tell anyone where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the big man now? He's a little bit more of a, uh, he's, he's just a little bit more of, a, of an asshole in that regard in the film. Yeah, and when, I, I did like, stylistically, when they were going, when he's going back to, um, you know, when he's reflecting upon his life and everything else, and it's like, the footage of him, you know, he's, he's even thinking of what, the, the way it's framed is as, as if it would be shown on, like, the news. Yeah, yeah. You know, it shows, like, the, the, the CCTV footage of him just kind of, like, shaking, you don't even see his face on yeah, that. It's yeah, like, this yeah. would all that would be left of him. Yeah. And his phone messages and such. Yeah, but for the most part, it is a pretty faithful adaptation. Mm. Uh, but also because it's um, it has a relatively short running time, it's only like around ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, and because in the book the days are really stretched out, and also um, something that the uh, the film omits entirely is that in the book you have one chapter which is like day one, and then the next chapter is a flashback to another adventure he had had. Oh, okay. Uh, like. So his like, book is lost. Something like that, <laughs> but you, but but what's cool about it is that you get to see more of a pattern forming that this guy is a, he does take chances, yeah, um, and that you know and you sort of get you just get to know him a lot mm. better and the kind of life that he that he's that he's lived. So it kind of gives you a clear understanding of why he might you know might have been justified in thinking that nothing was going to happen to him. Mm. Uh, but coming back to what you were saying with the the book, but the each, so but each day, each chapter day is pretty long. Yeah. Whereas in this, the days are greatly truncated. Well, that's what I want to mention. You used to mention the movie being truncated uh, to the book, and I thought that worked really well because you all know what's coming. Yeah. And like, first of all, we all know the rock thing is coming. Yeah. But I totally got just caught up in watching this guy go around with these girls and have some fun, mm-hmm. and you know the the, the the style of it and everything else. So I wasn't so. No, it I wasn't so tense about it happening, and then yeah. when it does actually happen, then you know he's going to do it. Even with that, then what was happening then was so interesting that it was I didn't want you know you were kind of thinking maybe he will chip away at the rock. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like oh, when's it coming? It wasn't like a horror movie. Kind yeah, of no, 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 no. Which is actually um, I mean before uh, before Danny Danny Boyle got his hands on this, the property was shopped around as like, do you want to try doing this as a horror movie? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the Evil Rock. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think that uh, the the movie does a really good job. Yeah. It's a very good it's a very good adaptation. It just um, once he actually does get caught, it does feel that the second half of the book is very much yeah. uh, cut down to its bare minimum. And personally, I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more. Mm. So you just get a. I mean, as an audience member, I kind of it's like when you're dealing with movies like this, like like Buried and Castaway is that you kind of like it when they draw it out just a little bit more than they need to so you can get a sense of the of time. How, yeah. Of the, of the time. But it's, it's a tightrope to walk because then you end up with the other problem which is like, it's when the fuck long. is he going to cut his arm off? Yeah, well, but no, but I still think after they cut his arm off yeah. he could have still... Because like that whole bit like uh, of after he cuts his arm off where he's got a... Some of after that, after that actually I was going to say is like it, once that happens, it's like, they could have ended it very... I was expecting not standard Hollywood ending of walking off into the light and text on the screen. That latter half, the epilogue, that whole part of the movie, yeah. I thought worked beautifully. Yeah, the, it, the combination of the music and everything else that happens when it comes to seeing those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That brought tears to my eye. Yeah, I thought that was just amazing when he's like, and he can't, he's so thirsty, he can't even say help. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when they eventually they turn, oh, it was ET in the in the ditch all over again. <laughs> I'll be right here. Stop it. <laughs> No, but I was I I, th- I found that genuinely, and uh, hopefully you didn't feel like a toy story where manipulated. I thought that actually worked beautifully. No, it is a it is a very satisfying movie experience. Mm. Um, I just like, and this is something that I. And I'm then not- you see the guy. Yeah. That's kind of that's again that's like you're you're reeling from this amazing event, and then all of a sudden it's just like it's his, his prediction came through. And it's like whoa, and he's on the couch. <laughs> look at him! He's look at him go into a mountain. Ah, that's it's the him. real guy. That's ah. him. That's him. I thought it was just James Franco acting. Oh my god! It, it brings it home to you that this is a real guy. This really happened, and wow. 
I read one review of, 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 the, fi of the film that uh, I thought was pretty spot on. He says that the real Aaron Ralston looks like a very handsome Coen brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot more beardy. Just a bit. But also another thing with the book is that um, he actually took quite a few pictures of his ordeal. Yeah, and, I have um, heard that apparently he recorded a hell of a lot more videos, but they were all kept out because they're for his family. They're like personal messages yeah. to his family. Yeah. Also, if he started wigging out like he wigs out in that th in the couple of the videos you yeah, see, yeah, you probably wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want that out. Yeah. Yeah, but that that, that wig out thing was changed a bit. That's yeah. it's it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, in the book. Um, that that's much more of a, it's a much more stretched out thing. It's like what like the, like going back to them truncating it. It's almost as like they, they've taken a lot of these different snippets of conversations that he's had with himself throughout like all of the days yeah. and just and just like put it all into one night. Mm. So and which was also I mean it worked. It was one of my favorite bits. Mm. And as I said before, I thought I loved the way uh, James Franco played that. Yeah, he was very good. Uh, James Franco is very good. Was he nominated for an Oscar? For yep, he is. He, he is. is, and it's nominated for Best Film. Is it nominated for Best Director as well? Yes, it is. It's also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, and I think a couple of other things. It, it's, it did all right in the nominations, yeah. but I think it's going to be this year's Shawshank. Yeah, it's more of an outside runner. Yeah, I don't think it's going to win anything. <laughs> but I mean, it is. What we, it does fall into a certain category that Oscar wins, which is like you know, actor alone on screen. Yeah. Yeah. For most of this running, and you never get tired of Franco's face. Yeah. And James Franco must be like, so cute. James Franco is like, you know, this was going to be my year. Fucking yeah. King's speech. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Cole first. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, good film. Very good film. I highly recommend this film. Yeah. And uh, any movie that has Treat Williams in it. Yes, is genius. So I, was, I was like, oh, hey, Prince of the City. <laughs> now what? <laughs> Dead Heat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Deep Rising. Deep Rising. Yeah. Great film. <laughs> My favorite Treat Williams film is Dead Heat. It was a zombie cop movie that he did with Joe Piscopo. Really? <laughs> no, I, I love him in um, the dead, dead, Deep Rising. Is just brilliant. I just love the you know that. That's yeah. That's one of the, the constant refrain of now what? One of the one of the better uh, Stephen Sommer movies. Yeah. Oh, it's genius. I love it. Oh, what's this? What's the whiny guy? It's not. Jeff it's Fahey. Kevin J. O'Connor. Kevin J. O'Connor, he's brilliant. <laughs> Kevin J. Connor. Yeah. Or, or is it O'Connor? Kevin J. Connor. What's going on? <laughs> he does a lot of he does a lot of stuff with Clyde Barker. Yeah. You know him. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. So that's two two movies worth seeing. But I go see Twenty Seven Hours over. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm actually interested in seeing as well. I have a copy of uh, Into the Wild to see that because that's obviously that's a similar tale kind of, but it's a bit more extracted because the guy didn't make it. Yeah, no, it's it's not really a similar. Have you thing. seen it? Yes, it's uh, yeah, you, you, it's pretty emotional. Yeah. <laughs> no, Emil Hirsch is uh, really really good in that film. I've heard so much about it. I yeah. just haven't had a chance to see Sean it. Sean Penn directed that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I but I've seen the actual website. Of the guys. Eddie Vedder did the music. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've actually seen the website of the guy as well, which is kind of weird and scary. Yeah, it's. I mean, it really, it really, it, it's a sucker punch to the gut. That yeah. film, I highly recommend that as well. That that would be. Uh, uh, a great, a great double bill, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that film and but watch that film first. Yes. And then <laughs> end, end on a high note. End on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> Into the world does not end on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what life is, right? The series of low notes. <coughs> Confucius also say. Mind my hand a pocket for cocky all day. <laughs> we'll now finish off our usual show. <laughs> You're not even heard that before. Come on, right? I haven't heard that. You've never heard that before. What is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, rounding up the uh, top ten box office on the, for, for the Malaysian t uh, box office. Which, if you don't like, you can email us in at podcast at Number ten, season of the witch. 
I, I, I was, I was going to go try, try to see this, but obviously Hunt Train Seven Arrows came out from Green Hornet, so I do want to still see it though. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, especially after I watched Solomon Kane. Oh yeah, anyway, it's not worth talking about okay. here. But it's <laughs> kind of okay. And uh, number nine, Surtai. Number eight, Hot the movie. Number seven, Faster. Number six, Gavalan. Number five, Kurufat, Paranjan Sirutan. <laughs> Number four, Homecoming. Number three, Great Day, an easy one. <laughs> Number two, Shaolin. Shaolin's got Andy Lau in it and stuff. Yep. I was always looking to see the trailers. I mean, there's a, there was definitely, when we went to see the Green Hornet. A special so was, appearance by Jackie Chan. Yeah. yeah. There was definitely a Chinese New Year buzz on at the cinema because they had all the Chinese movies like edited together yeah. into one big poster and shit. But um, I ain't sitting through Cantonese. Uh, and number one, The Green Hornet. In the US box office, number 10, Tron Legacy. Wow, after seven weeks on release. Number nine, Yogi Bear. Jesus Christ. Number eight, The Fighter. Number seven, Black Swan. Number six, The Dilemma. Oh, that's terrible. Number five, True Grit. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Number four, The King's Speech. Because I fucking stutter. Because <laughs> I damn well stutter. <laughs> number three, three the, the Green, Green Hornet. Hornet. Number, number two, two no, no Strings, strings attached. attached. That's box office poison, right? Yeah, I hear this is awful. And number one, The Right, also <laughs> supposed to be yeah, awful. Also awful. Anthony Hopkins gets possessed. Uh, doing what Leslie Nielsen did many, many years ago. So we'll leave it there for the week, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Cheerio.